Again, I want to thank you for allowing me to be able to come together and share the Word of God with you. And again, I really want to thank you for coming and listening to it. How many of us, I don't want to ask you that way, I want to be answered. But we got these cell phones. Have you left home and forgot your cell phone? Did we turn around and go back and get it? What about our wallets, our purses? Do we always make sure we got that when we leave home? If not, we turn around and go back and get it. What about the name of Jesus? How many times have we went somewhere and didn't carry the name of Jesus with us? Now one might say, how can I carry the name of Jesus with me when I go out into the world or where we go? And I'm sure when you leave home, come to church on Sunday mornings or on Bible study on Wednesday evening, I'm sure we got the name of Jesus with us. We're probably even talking about him in the cars. But we should always have the name of Jesus with us. If we would go and turn 1 Corinthians chapter 1, my text morning is going to be chapter 1, one verse 1 through 10. But we need to ask ourselves, how can I take the name of Jesus with me? This morning I'm going to go over four or five different ways. First off, I can take the name of Jesus with me by my speech, by my knowledge, by my dress, and mostly by my actions. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sotheus, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace be to you and peace from our God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God, which was given to you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by him, in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short and no gift eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And verse 10 tells us, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no division among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. It's talking mainly about our speech and all. It's talking mostly about our Lord Jesus Christ. In this passage here, we see that Paul wished grace and peace upon the church at Corinth. But not only from him, but with all who called upon the name of Jesus Christ. That should be each and every one of us. All of us, when we're out talking, we're out doing stuff, we need to call upon the name of Jesus Christ. When we're in good times and in bad times, we still need to call upon the name of Jesus Christ. I talked a little bit this morning in our Bible study about that when we get ready to go on trips and all, we've seen how when, uh, when Paul left the brother and all, they knelt and prayed with him. 
as I mentioned in our Bible study, a lot of times, and I'm looking mainly at myself here, we always make sure that people's got spending money, especially our children. They got spending money, make sure they got gas in the car, make sure the car's running right. But we need to pray for them. We need to, when we get in cars ourselves, we need to pray and ask God to be with us. And then most important, when you get there, pray and thank God for being with you again. But we need to talk to people and tell them about our Lord Jesus Christ. It is the name of Jesus to which the apostles gave heed. They suffered in the name of Jesus. Acts chapter 5 verse 41. Acts 5 and 41 said they suffered. They therefore departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor of the name. A lot of people say, well, we asked, how come you didn't talk to someone about God during the week? And I said, well, I didn't want someone thinking of me as a Bible thumper or somebody like that. I didn't want somebody being ashamed to be around me. I didn't want someone not want to be around me because I talk about uh, Jesus. Here it says that uh, they suffered, that they rejoiced, that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. They preached in the name of Jesus, according to Acts chapter 9, verse 27. Acts 9, 27 tells us, But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto him, how he had seen the Lord in the way, and that he had spoken to him, how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. We need to see, as I said before, we need to see Jesus in God's word. We need to take his word out and preach it boldly amongst the world. They knew that one day all, all would bow to the name of Jesus. Now I'm not saying these football players bowing and protesting but as a young lady spoke on TV, that we need to, to bow on our knees for God and pledge of allegiance. Now, what I'm here to talk to you this morning about is bowing on your knees to God. Because it said here, they knew that all one day would bow on the knees. Philippians chapter 2, verse 10. Philippians 2 and 10 tells that in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things on earth and things under the earth. That pretty much covered everything. A name shows authority. In other words, to break it down, I like things simply put to me. If I go to a bank to cash a check, if I'm expecting that check to get cashed, it better have the right name on it or the right authority. If I'm to pay for anything in this manner, I must take my name with me. If I have a bill of money of any denomination, it better have the right name signed on that currency. If I'm to pay for anything with U.S. dollars, I must take the name of our Secretary of Treasury with me. It's stamped on that currency. If I go to a foreign country, my passport better have the right name on it, but it's not going to do me any good. If I'm to go to any foreign country, I must take the name of our Secretary of State with me. But also, if I'm to conduct the business of my Lord, Jesus, I must take his name with me as well. We have to rely on God's word if we're going to go out and talk to people about God's love. We need to study God's word. We need to pray and ask God to help me recognize the opportunities to spread your word. We need to pray and ask God to instill in our hearts the words to use, to give us the wisdom of his word. We're going to get this wisdom granted to us by studying his word so that I can go out and share 
his word with others and bring them in amongst us. We are also strangers and pilgrims in this land, seeking a better or a heavenly country, according to Hebrews 11, 13 through 16. Boy, turn over with me to Hebrews chapter 11, <clears throat> verses 13 through 16. When it tells us here that these, these all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed them, that were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country in which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. So if we come out, we get baptized, become a child of God. Of course, we still have the opportunity to go back to being the same old person we were before we were baptized. But through our love for God, God's love for each and every one of us, we need to strive on to, to a better, a heavenly country. <clears throat> the first thing I want to talk to you about is I can take the name of Jesus with me as by my speech. When you go to a foreign country, usually others can tell where you're from by your speech or your accent. Have you ever heard someone talking and say, oh, they're from the north? Or maybe you're up there, somebody talking and say, oh, they're from the south. Well, you know, bring it even a little closer. If you go over to Louisiana, you can tell where those people are from by their accents. They can tell where we're from by our accent. People can tell what country we're from spiritually as well by our speech. Not necessarily our accents, but by the things we talk about. The way we talk about things. The way we react with our speech. Colossians chapter 4 verse 6. Colossians 4 6 says, Let your speech be always with grace. Season with salt that you may know how you ought to answer each other. Tell us here, let your speech always be with grace. That's something that's hard to do. I, I, would, I would be surprised there was any, anyone that could always handle their voice at grace. That's why our God is a merciful God. We need to practice. When someone said, well, you know, I can't always... Uh, keep my temper down. I can't always be graceful to someone when they make me mad. But when I get mad, you know, it's all a different story. No, it's not. All that's telling us is that we need to pray that God will give us the strength to overcome that quickness of our temper. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 5 says, Wherefore, put in away falsehood. Speak ye truth, each one with his neighbor. For we are, our, we are members one another. Plain and simple here. It's telling us we shouldn't lie on each other. It's telling us that we should speak the truth. Now sometimes we have to tone that truth down just a little bit. Now what I'm saying by that means, I know it's probably got your attention, but we need to always tell the truth. But do it in a loving way. I like Brother Billy when he says, you know, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to bring it straight from my heart, and I'm just going to put it out there. Well, sometimes we tell me that kind of words, man. Because, you know, it kind of goes back to the old story I told before, where the young boy was just getting to the age where he's interested in the young women. And he was asking Grandpa for advice on it. 
grandpa's and give you a bus. Grandpa told him, said, when you look into the young ladies and tell her, so when I look into your eyes, I lose all track of time. And the little boy got thinking about it, so he told his girlfriend, he said, you got a place to stop the clock. <laughs> it was all the same thing, but it wasn't put nicely. We should always speak the truth. Ephesians 4 and 29, let no corrupt speech proceed out of your mouth, but such is good for edifying as they need may be, that it may be gr give grace to them that hear it. When someone asks ask you, do I look good this morning? Do my hair look good? Does this shirt, we'll say, <laughs> does this blouse look good on me? The husband kind of caught. We kind of caught in a predicament here. But we got to remember, we love that person. We married that person, so it don't matter what they, how their hair looks and all, they look good. So we have to tell them, yes, they look good. But always be truthful with it. If we say, I don't want to make her mad. Yes, darling, you look good. And she goes out to the public and somebody points out to her, hey, your hair messed up. We in trouble. <laughs> so if we go out and if we go against uh, Ephesians 4 and 25, if we don't put away falsehood, if we don't speak the truth, we're going to be in trouble with God. We need to always work on telling the truth. The question with this, do we take the name of Jesus with us in our speech? Another way that we take the name of Jesus with us is with our knowledge. When one initially travels to a foreign country, you're usually ignorant to the ways of that country. Now when I say ignorant, he don't know. If he hadn't studied on it, or if he hadn't been there and experienced it before, he don't know the, the, the customs, traditions of that country. So he's kind of ignorant to that country. It's not until he experienced the country that he comes to know the ways of that country. What can we say regarding our knowledge of the strange land through which we sojourn the world here on earth? Not awareness, but knowledge through experience. Sure, we all messed up in our life. We've all sinned. We come forth and got forgiveness for it by baptism. That didn't stop us from messing up and sinning again, does it? It's the mercy of God that's going to save us from that. We need to study God's Word. We need to work our, our best at living a pure life. But as I said, it's not awareness, but knowledge through sin. We need to learn from our mistakes. When someone makes a mistake, it's not a good thing, but it's not a bad thing. It's a human error. What I'm saying by that is, if we learn from that mistake, get forgiven, realize we made a mistake, get forgiveness from it, forgiveness from whoever we uh, passed against, and forgiveness from God on it, if we learn from it, something from it, to keep up making that mistake again, then we've advanced our knowledge of it. And that's the way we get knowledge through experience. Not going out and doing something so you know, that was kind of fun. I'm going to go back and do it again. But it's knowing that we've done wrong and getting forgiveness. John says that our knowledge ought not be that of experience. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. 1 John chapter 2. Verse 15 through 17 says, Love not the world, 
Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the vainglory of life is not of the, the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Now someone can read this right here and say, well, wait a minute. He's telling me here not to love the world. Don't love the things in the world. Because I love the things in the world, then I'm not going to love the Father. It's not that way. If we study it, if we really look at those passages, it's telling us that we shouldn't get so wrapped up in the worldly things and get involved with all the simple things that we forget about God and His glory. Because it says at the end of there, and the world passes away and the love there. But he that doeth the will of the Father abideth forever. Doesn't God's word tell us to love one another? Doesn't it tell us to honor our mother and our fathers? Doesn't it tell us in our God's word to support our families? Then we can love one another. We just can't get so wrapped up in the evil parts of the world. We have to do it in a loving, heavenly way. <clears throat> the world has a knowledge that we don't want. In other words, 1 Corinthians 15 and 34. 1 Corinthians 15 and 34 is awake to sober, soberness, righteously, and sin not. For some have no knowledge of God. I speak this to move you to shame. Now our knowledge should not be worldly matters. But in spiritual matter, Peter writes, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. 2 Peter 3 and 18. Peter says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. 2 Peter 3 and 18. The question here is, do we take the name of Jesus with us in our knowledge? Another way is in our dress. When we go to a foreign country, one may be noticed quickly by the way that person dresses differently. Often it is uh, the first thing to be noticed and a person can identify what country one is from by the way they what they wear. Are we concerned about our dress as Christians? When we go out in the world, can the God of the world tell that, hey, that's a Christian person? Once Adam and Eve sinned, God made them coast to cover themselves because the leaves were not enough to do the job. Genesis 3 and 21. The priests under the old law were required to cover their nakedness. Exodus 28 and 42. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verses 9 and 10 tells in like manner that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefastness, sobriety, not with braided hair, gold or pearls or costly raiment, but which becometh women professing godliness through good works. Do we take the name of Jesus with us in our dress? And lastly, but not least, our actions. That's the one that's going to get a lot of people in trouble. It doesn't take long for the actions of a visitor to another country to reveal themselves as being out of place. So also our actions as citizens of a heavenly kingdom ought to reveal the name of our King, our Lord Jesus Christ. When we're faced with different situations in the world, it's the way that we react to them is what's going to reveal whether we got the name of Jesus with us or if we put it on the shelf. Citizens of God's kingdom don't behave in the way the world behaves. In other words, they don't engage in sinful action. This is the will of God 
even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel and sanctification and honor, not in the love of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 through 5. Those who surround them think it is strange that they don't engage in such. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 4. 1 Peter 4 and 4. Wherein they think it strange that you not run that you run not with them into the same excess of right, speaking evil of you. Instead, Christians behave in a holy way, exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Galatians 5 and 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and self-control against such there is no law. So when we say, well, how am I supposed to act when somebody comes at me? Well, I'll tell you right here. If you act in a loving way, a joyful way, peaceful way, a long-suffering, a meekness, control and have that self-control, and chances are you're going to handle it the way God wants us to. Now in conclusion, just ask a simple question. How can one take the name of Jesus with us? Hopefully if someone asks you that, you'll be able to tell them by our speech, by our knowledge, by our dress, and by our actions. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12. said, Beloved, I beseech you as sojourners and pilgrims to abstain from the fleshly lust, which war against the soul, having your behavior seemingly against the Gentiles, that wherein they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. It's time we set aside this morning. Maybe you need to be baptized and become a child of God. Maybe you've already been baptized, become a child of God, but for one reason or another, you've allowed Satan to come into your life. and You've allowed yourself to turn to the left or turn to the right, away from the straight and narrow. You need the prayers and the encouragement of the congregation. Maybe you're facing some trials, some tribulation, or some stomach block been thrown in front of you. You need the prayers of the congregation to help you, give you the strength to overcome it. With nothing in our hearts and our love, but love of Jesus and love of each other. Whatever your need may be, I ask you to come forward this time over stand and sing our song of invitation. <clears throat>